have you had any struggles lately? Anything small, big, medium? Oh, boy. That you want to unload on us today? <laughs> I was going to say, you're asking a question that, like, potentially opens up a whole can of worms. Yeah, well, don't open up a whole can of worms. Yeah, just a, right? A tin of worms. <laughs> just a tin of worms. You know, it's just like the work-life-school balance is rough, you know? The work life school balance. You're trying to balance work life and school. Those three things. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, people talk about the work life balance, but I had to. Oh, work life. Oh, I see. You know, but school is also in there, and this podcast is also in there. <laughs> I was counting the podcast in life, and then I thought, you know what? I want a life outside of this podcast. <laughs> I was counted as work because me, Emily, gets paid fifty dollars every time an episode gets released. <laughs> Don't tell um, Kyle. <laughs> Welcome to Butter No Parsnips. Every week on Butter No Parsnips, your hosts Emily Moyers and Kyle Imperator take you on an adventure through the weird, wacky, wonderful, and sometimes even wicked world of one wayside word. Strange characters, delightful bits, and general joyousness abound. Join them as they test each other's etymological expertise. everybody it's butter no parsnips it's butter no parsnips welcome i'm emily moyers and i'm kyle imperator and who boy do i have a word <laughs> for you today emily okie dokie i'm so ready kyle okay emily your word today is modifonia oh no <laughs> M-O-G-I-P-H-O-N-I-A, Modjophonia. With an O, huh? With an O. Boy, Modjophonia. And it is, it's Modjophonia? Like, it is. that's how it's pronounced? That is, no, I'm just you didn't doing say a little it wrong, prank just on as you. a little trick. <laughs> 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 All right, Kyle, I'm going to pass. I... <laughs> Emily Uno Reverse. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> Majophonia. So the phonia suffix I've certainly heard, but I feel like I've heard it in different meanings. So hmm. now I'm confused. <laughs> what is the language? Gotta be Greek. Uh, you got it. Yeah. It's all Greek to all of us. It is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's got to be a noun. It is a noun. Correct. Okay. Yeah. That's, you know, two correct statements there, Emily. You're well on your way to getting this okay. definition. So so here's what I'll, yeah. mm -hmm. I'll establish right now. I, mm -hmm. I suspect because of the phonia suffix that this relates to sound. Okay. But let me get the hint. Okay. Emily, your hint is Ariel. Oh, okay. Ariel. I mean, first of all, it's very timely. Uh, Little Mermaid in theaters now. <laughs> in theaters now. <laughs> it may or may not be true by the time this episode comes out. I feel like we keep walking into this trap. I know. We need to be paid royalties at some point. <laughs> the fifth time we've done this. Um, okay. Modjophonia? Modjophonia. Modjophonia. So I'm going to say that this is, I, it feels very on the nose for mm -hmm. me to say, but is it having no voice or making no sound? 
Emily, you are close enough that I'm <gasps> going to give it to you. Nice. So, Majophonia specifically means difficulty in emitting loud vocal sounds as in public speaking or singing. Oh, so like difficulty physically or difficulty anxiously? <laughs> yes, Emily, you've ah. touched on the whole crux of the episode. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so obviously it comes from two ancient Greek roots, right? So the two words that I was thinking of were euphonium, the instrument. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then misophonia, which is a thing that yes. I have where I hate like body noises, like chewing or, yep, yep, yep. or yep. sniffling or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, other music terms like antiphony. But yes, so in this case, the suffix phonia is often used to describe medical conditions related to sound. Like misophonia. Like misophonia, exactly. Nice. And it comes from the ancient Greek pone meaning sound, yeah. or in this instance, more specifically, it can mean the sound of the human voice, ultimately from a Proto-Indo-European prefix meaning to speak. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so the, the weird part is the prefix, right? Yes. Maj I feel like I've yeah. never seen that root in my life. <laughs> and you won't ever again. The, the prefix maja comes from the ancient Greek adverb mogis, meaning with difficulty, hardly, or scarcely. Oh. And that comes from the verb mogeo, meaning to toil, labor, or to suffer. Wow. So literally the word means to have difficulty in creating sound. Yeah. Right? That is, yeah. that is it. So majophonia was coined by the German otolaryngologist Bernhard Frankel. Oh. to describe some specific case studies that he was working on. And it was first published as Mogifoni in an 1887 edition of the journal Deutsche Medizinische Wochenschrift, or German Medical Weekly. Beautiful, Kyle. Oh, God, a Emily, round I've of applause practicing. and a round of steins. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot in this episode. Oh, good. I'm excited. Okay. So this condition is often associated with people who use their voices for work, as in professional speakers like preachers or politicians and singers. The British Medicine Journal reported on Frankel's work the same year that he uh, released his report. And they describe one of his patients, a female vocalist, as a plump, rosy girl of whose artistic future the highest expectations were formed and whose temperament was much less nervous than is usual in the case of singers. <laughs> nice. Good for her. <laughs> but also like, wow, this is 1887 and <laughs> singers still have the same reputation today. <laughs> You know, we're a nervous lot. It's just, yeah, you know, it's good to know that, you know, there's some traditions that are just I mean, when, you, when you're laying your soul bare in front of others. Yeah, like, <laughs> fair. You know? And you'll see why it's fair later. <gasps> so they reported saying that she could start singing powerfully, but over time, in a short amount of time, actually, her voice would weaken and 
till it hurt her to sing. But even though she couldn't sing without causing pain, her speaking voice remained quite natural and free from huskiness, as they put it. Interesting. <laughs> so she could still talk fine, but it was the singing that hurt her. I mean, yeah. I could see that just that, like, if you're singing, you're, like, pushing a little harder. Sure, absolutely. Than but when you're they did tests, and... Frankel basically couldn't figure out why this was happening with her or any of his other patients right. suffering from this. And some of his other patients weren't singers. There was a governess and a preacher, I think, that j they just happened to be using their voices very loudly for work. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't yell anymore, but they could talk without pain. Right. Frankel's first instinct was to try to treat her with an electric current, <laughs> which, like, yeah. of course didn't work. <laughs> but of course that was his instinct. Right, right, You know, exactly. I'm brought back to the context in which we coined our favorite nonsense word, gaga doo doo nonsense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is the context of psychology. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it is truly a field of gaga doo doo nonsense, really, probably up until 2000. Him, I'm like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Frankel then turned it back 10 notches oh, and instead was like, okay, we're going to apply an ointment to your throat. And then he grasped the larynx firmly with both oh, hands and, and strangled her to death. <laughs> yeah, and strangled her and said, oh, if she's dead, then there's no pain. Problem solved. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> uh, uh, well, no, he grasped the larynx firmly with both hands and rubbed from above downwards on each side from 40 to 50 times. Whoa, I don't like it. And this seemed to have cured her after a six-week regimen of doing this. Wow. I can attest to this, actually. So I was experiencing some majophonia a couple years ago, and this is the exercise I was told to do. Interesting. To fix to fix my voice. They were like, just rub your neck, rub <laughs> your throat, and it'll get better. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is working. Wow. So Frankel was quick to rule out anxiety. He called it hysteria, as yes. one did in the as, 1880s. As they did. But the high expectations that I mentioned might actually have truly played a part in her issues which is, seems only obvious, right? So, like, the fact that it was in front of a crowd was the cause, but not because she was anxious? Well, so they state in the report that she had a very bright future with the highest expectations. And so some of that anxiety of, you know, owning up to yourself right. is, is a part like that kind of like, mortal anxiety right, I guess. right not not like stage fright but just like i have to do this the world depends on it <laughs> exactly emily yeah. exactly so an eminently readable if sometimes problematic 1942 article by hg sear called the occupational maladies of musicians describes the multitude of conditions that plague music professionals of majophonia, it reads, Almost all professional singers end their careers by the giving out of the voice, and almost always it is overwork plus anxiety that brings it about. He must appear. His public demands it. The show must go on. Mm. The three terse sentences are an arraignment of the social system. I mean, yeah. 
This is the problem with the entertainment industry today, you know? We gotta get someone on this, you know? <laughs> someone who speaks for the people. That's right. But but how will we find it? It's happening to the speakers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it'll never happen, Emily. That's true. We need a Lorax for musicians. <laughs> so... Majophonia is now seen as psychoneurotic in nature. It is a type of dystonia, which is a neurological disorder producing involuntary spasms. Oh, wow. Specifically, it's a focal dystonia because it affects a specific part of the body. It's It's not focused. Sear also mentions a different focalized fable in his list of musical maladies, which I think is fun. The pianist Vladimir Horowitz once canceled a recital, and the sponsors put out a notice reading, Vladimir Horowitz is convalescing from a traumatic tenosynovitis of the flexor digitorum sublimus and profundus muscle at the metacarpophalangeal joint. Can we get Arna back in here? I'm confused. (laughs) (laughs) Most people were confused, Emily, but one (laughs) columnist was not and translated that sentence for the public and said, they mean he has a sore finger. I can't go on. My fingy hurts. But we can't put that in the paper. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not good enough to cancel on. We gotta tell them something. They paid hundreds of dollars for these seats. What are we gonna say? Quick, get a medical thesaurus and make something up. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) So, Emily, musicians aren't the only types of artists to suffer from dystonic disorders. Can you believe that? I can. Oh. End of end of discussion. <laughs> Episode over. <laughs> Tell me more. So it's actually believed that Frankel named his condition Magophonia after a previously existing condition, Magographia. Oh. Emily, can you guess what Magographia is? Inability to write? Basically, Emily. Magographia is a fancy term for writer's cramp. Oh, sure. That makes sense. <laughs> Have you ever experienced writer's cramp, by the way, Emily? Uh, for sure. I So in high school, my English teacher had us do like in-class essays all the time. So I was very used to writing those. And then in college, I had to write an essay in class for the first time in like two years. Yeah. And my hand suddenly could not do it. And I was like, oh my God, how did I used to do this all the time? <laughs> Honestly, every time I have to write out a grocery list, my hand's like, <laughs> Still, like oh. If I have to write more than 10 <laughs> words in a row now, it's like, oh my God. God. How did anybody ever do this? How did I do the SATs? <laughs> <laughs> so, magographia comes from the ancient Greek grapein, which means write. And yeah. it goes back as a term to at least the 1850s. But the condition itself is surely older, one can assume. I, the, those guys write manuscripts that would put in the yeah. end notes, oh my like gosh. my poor hand. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the term modographia, interestingly enough, counts among it many synonyms, including the following. Besides writer's cramp, mm-hmm. there are pianist's cramp. Taylor's no. cramp, milker's <laughs> cramp, graphospasm, chirospasm, penman's spasm, writer's spasm, writer's palsy, scrivener's palsy, <gasps> writer's neurosis, and the best of them all, 
a stuttering of the hand. <laughs> I like the ones that are just cramp preceded by any profession any that uses profession. your hands. <laughs> any profession. Anything with fine motor control. <laughs> so the affliction modographia comes in four descriptive flavors. <gasps> Spastic, paralytic, neuralgic, and tremulous. Oh, and uh, it has affected professionals the world over for generations, as yeah. one can uh, surmise. For instance, the Italian physician Bernardino Ramazzini, oh. in a supplement to his 1713 De Morbis Artificum Diatriba, or Diatribe on Artists' Diseases, <laughs> which itself was a seminal work in the field of occupational medicine. Oh. In it, he described how a notary friend of his was left with both arms paralyzed oh. due to his constant writing under stress. Wow. Like, all the way up paralyzed? <laughs> like, all the way up paralyzed. Just couldn't use him. God, I, now I feel like I can't ever write again. <laughs> what <laughs> if that else. happens? <laughs> or else. Emily, can you tell me which flavor of Magographia that would be? Uh, that was There was one that was like paralytic, right? Paralytic, you got yeah. it. <laughs> also, an epidemic of telegraphists' cramps oh. between the 1850s and 1950s afflicted so many Morse code operators sure. that it led to major union reform efforts <gasps> in the British post office. Wow. How do you reform yeah. that, though? Somebody's got to tap the tapper. <laughs> Yeah, it was a very long article, so I didn't get that far into it. That's fair. Because <laughs> they tried like three times before they did anything. Yeah. And much like Magophonia, Emily, Magographia seems to be action-specific. So we mentioned before how Magophonia would affect the singers only when they were singing, not when they would speak, right? right? My example here is the philosopher and organist Albert Schweitzer suffered severe muscle cramps his entire life but only when he was writing, never when he was playing the organ. Well, it's that like repetitive motion thing that'll do you in. It's the repetitive motion and it's of uh, like a specific pose too. Sure. I would get that sometimes working as a cashier. I would get like one wrist would start to hurt after yeah. a while of just like moving stuff across the register 80 billion times a day. That's happened to me before with uh, like checking books in uh, too. Okay, Emily, I have one last Madge I want to talk to you about. Okay. Do you think you can suss out what Madgelalia is? Oh, but that's, mm. does that mean the same? Because Lalia also mm. means speaking, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So that's the same as Madgephonia. It's not. It's different. So the Lalia, oh, boy. Is it like a stutter? <gasps> Emily, you got <gasps> it! Nice! <laughs> nice! Yes, so Emily, <laughs> modulalia is difficulty or hesitancy in speaking as in stuttering or stammering. So the, the lalia suffix, that's got to mean, like, is it specific to the tongue? No, sophonia is more generally sound. Right, but lalia is... Is speaking. So it uh, it comes okay. from the ancient Greek lalos, meaning talkative or babbling, mm. from laleo, meaning I talk, I speak. Huh. Whereas wow. the the pone or is, pone is making sound, yeah, is making sound and 
in one instance can be seen as the sound of the human voice, not necessarily talking. Right. Could be just like, ah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So modulalia is a much older term than either of the last two we've talked about, surprisingly. It goes back to at least 1688 in a book called The Academy of Armory by Randall Holm, spelled like candle or like Cotgrave. Wait, Randall. Oh, Randall. Okay. Yeah. I was like, how is Holmes spelled like candle? <laughs> it's just got a silent andle in it. <laughs> Randall <laughs> describes modulalia as when the tongue is tied either too straight or too loose, <laughs> which I love. Delightful. So has that term been used to refer to like people who have a stutter as a condition or just could it also just mean like tripping over your words? In general, no. It's it specifically uh, re- relates to stuttering as a condition. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you could probably for any of these, they're so infrequently used outside of medical terminology. <laughs> right. You could that stretch if it. You and I wanted to. We could, you know, uh, by extension, give them that. I, I don't think that's you know a far reach. Right. No um, one would know what it means either way. So <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so stuttering itself, Emily, has been documented for millennia. Yeah. The ancient Egyptians called it neat-neat, and it's insinuated that Moses had a stutter when he bemoaned to God in Exodus 4.10, I am slow of speech and tongue. Wow. And then God responded. He was like, yeah, I know, I know. Just do what I say, okay? Guys, <laughs> like, I made you that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For some more modern examples of stutterers, Emily, both actor James Earl Jones and President Joseph Robinette Biden are known to have struggled with modulalia. Wow. But stuttering isn't necessarily a struggle. It can also be harnessed for creative purposes. Emily, you covered Finnegan's Wake on our Quark episode. (gasps) I did indeed. Would you mind briefly explaining your perception of James Joyce's writing style in that book? Oh, just kooky crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Kooky crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very like stream of consciousness, just no rhyme or reason, made up words. Craziness. Craziness, yeah. So in writing Finnegan's Wake, one could argue that James Joyce embodied his eponymous character, whom he introduces as Bygmester Finnegan of the Stutterin' Hand. (laughs) Beautiful accent work. Thank you so much. The person who I listened to the audiobook for this was Irish. (laughs) Yeah, so David Spur, in his article Stuttering Joyce, explains that the author's use of modulalia in the book is connected to imagination, where the origin of stuttering in the context of the plot of the book, is placed in an age before language was harnessed and codified. And so it's seen as this kind of mystical thing. And and oh. that's why the language appears that way in the, in the book. Sure. Because there is, yeah, it's true. There's lots of like repetition of syllables right. and yeah. things. Yeah. It's the like written form of this like mystical language, I guess. 
Wow, that's super interesting. He explains that Finnegan's living at the limits of the imaginable in the book is reproduced in Joyce's language, itself spilling over with its plurality of sounds and senses, a language which, through the overwhelming multiplicity of its ruptures and stammering repetitions, forces the limits of imagination. Wow. Well, Emily, to end this on a high note, I'm going to leave you and our audience with an example of this uh, stuttering repetition yeah. in Finnegan's Wake, and then we'll I'll meet you on the other side. It's okay. short. Okay. Go for it. I'm always excited to hear some Finnegan's Wake. Okay. So Joyce writes, For the clearer of the air from on high has spoken in tumbledum tambledam to his tumbledum tumbledum <laughs> world, and mogufonized by that phonemonon, the inhabitants of the earth have terror rumbled from firmament unto fundament and from tweedledeedums down to twiddledeedees. Beautiful. Moikaloikling. Moikaloikling. <laughs> Kyle, now you're making me feel like a schmuck for not doing accent work when I read my excerpts from Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> There's so many more excerpts from Finnegan's Wake. I'm sure we could do a hundred more episodes on it. That's like, fair. Hey, tune in next week, you guys, for me <laughs> reading just a chapter from Finnegan's yeah. Wake in yeah. an Irish accent. <laughs> Emily, before we get too far afield from what yeah. I just read, did you hear a word in there, mogufanoised? I did. I was going to ask you about that word if I remembered what it sounded like. <laughs> I'm glad that you were going to. I wanted to end on this quote because mogufanoised has been translated by one scholar as meaning having <gasps> megaphonically amplified one's magophonia. Wow. <laughs> Beautiful. Michael O'Heckling. Michael O'Heckling. <laughs> All right, Emily, that's uh, that's uh, I mean, a trio of Majis for you. Fantastic words, yeah. all of them, but but particularly Majophonia, super fun, super interesting. And I love that you brought back Finnegan's Wake. I mean, all the, all the little tangents we went on were really fun <laughs> in this episode. And I hope they were so fun that you'll be able to answer this question, Emily. Oh, no. <laughs> Emily, can you use Majophonia or Majographia or Modulalia? In a oh, sentence. Nice. I get options. Or all three. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> See, if it were if it were you doing my episode, you would try to get all three in a sentence. I absolutely would. But I'm not an Icarus like you, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna do no, myself you're just like an that. Ichabod. <laughs> okay. Majophonia. This is a hard one. I know. I know. It's because it's I so know. specific. It is so specific, but use it by extension, Emily. We can get it started. <laughs> I think I think it's possible to use like in the sense of losing one's voice before a big speech or a, or a, or a concert. I, I I think that's fair, fair sure. use, you know. Well, I'll I'll do it slightly different. When I sing alone in my car, I often sing very loud and with reckless abandon but as soon as a car pulls up next to my car i immediately <laughs> am overwhelmed with majophonia and stop <laughs> oh wow emily that is such a perfect sentence for this <laughs> i love it hopefully you're singing and true uh, poor unfortunate souls from <gasps> the little mermaid in, in theaters, theaters now, now. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble with this one these days. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think they're going to send us popcorn. Yeah, that's all we want, Disney. <laughs> Just popcorn is fine. Just popcorn. Okay, Emily, are you ready for your game? I'm ready for a game. <laughs> 
Emily, your game today is called Maja Trivia. Beautiful. <laughs> it's probably more appropriately called Word Power, as that's what this game was called in the 1988 medical journal that I stole it from. <gasps> so Thanks, funny. David Maxwell of Guy's Hospital, London. <laughs> Love it. This guy just put a word game in this medical journal and I was like, I'm having at it. (laughs) I'm now going to start combing academic journals for my games. (laughs) I know, right? He actually mentions like someone else's word game that he was basing it off of. So (laughs) probably is there. So Emily, I'm going to give you an obscure medical term and three choices of a definition and you're going to have to tell me which one's correct. Love it. Your first answer is poliosis oh is poliosis the graying of the eyebrows or eyelashes early symptoms of polio or pressure of speech i feel like it's gotta be early symptoms of polio not just because the first half of it is polio but because the second half of it is oleosis which sounds like scoliosis which is also like posture related Interesting. So that's what I'm going to say. Okay, you are incorrect. Ah, Poliosis is actually graying of the eyebrows or eyelashes. What? More fully, it is partial grayness or whiteness of hair, especially of prematurely. So it doesn't have to be necessarily the eyebrows or eyelashes. Gotcha. So just going gray, young. Uh, No, in spots. So it's focalized grayness or whiteness. Interesting. Yeah, so it comes from the ancient Greek polios, meaning gray. Oh, so then where does polio come from? So a polio actually looks like it comes from the German poliomyelitis, or however you would say that in German, which is part polios, or poli- polios, meaning gray, and part moelos, meaning marrow. So gray marrow. Oh, but they both come from gray. That makes sense. And they both come from gray, yeah. Uh, Poliosis is sometimes called a malin streak, Emily, after a fictional family with hereditary poliosis in P.G. Woodhouse's (gasps) The White Feather. Crazy! Yeah. P.G. Woodhouse is just out here coining medical terms in addition to writing Chiefs and Wooster. (laughs) Yeah. So, like, when I Googled Malin streak, like, I got a bunch of TikToks of people with a Malin streak talking about their condition. I was like, wow, this is, like, a thing, huh? Wow. Now, when it affects the hair directly above the forehead, as with, say, characters like X-Men's Rogue, it's called a white forelock. Forelock. Good word. Okay, Emily, you ready for your next I'm ready. Your next word is Caligo. Oh, I mean, this sounds like an (laughs) X-Men. Yeah, it does. This one's spelled C-A-L-I-G-O Caligo. That's what I thought. Your options are extravagant behavior, a metal foot brace, or dimness of vision. Oh, I have nothing to go on, so I'm going to take a wild guess that Mm. it's C? Dimness of vision? Yeah. Final answer? No, because you paused. I'm going to say A. (laughs) Oh, Emily. <laughs> no, did you trick me? <laughs> yes. Oh, dang it, all parsnips. <laughs> all parsnips. <laughs> so we see. Yeah, caligo is dimness of vision. It comes from the Latin caligo, meaning fog, mist, vapor, or darkness, gloom, 
or inability to perceive. And as a verb, it can mean I grope about or have poor <gasps> eyesight. In I Latin. grope about. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great to know that there's a Latin word for that. Truly. You know? <laughs> Caligo is also a genus of butterflies called owl butterflies that are known for huge eye spots on their wings resembling owl eyes. Yeah, I've seen those. It's yeah. like to ward off it's predators, right? Yeah, but then it was reading that it doesn't actually work that way, so they don't know why it so funny <laughs> has developed that it way. Just look like owls for fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, look what I can do. <laughs> hey, hoot hoot! Right? Am I right? <laughs> They're just impressionists. Yeah. <laughs> With the microphone and a towel. <laughs> the Robin Williams of the butterfly. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Caligo butterflies are possibly named for their nocturnal active periods coming from the Latin definition meaning darkness or gloom. Yeah. All right, Emily, you ready for your last one? I'm ready. Your last one is Singultus. Oh. S-I-N-G-U-L-T-U-S, Singultus. Okay. Is Singultus the sensation of being squeezed, oh. hiccups, or globus hystericus? Uh. Do I get an explanation for Globus Hystericus? Nope. Great. Cool. <laughs> so I have no idea what the answer is, but I'm just going to share my immediate thought was that this mm -hmm. word is very close to Sangalt, which is the fake title that Casanova invented for himself when in France, the Chevalier de Sangalt. Okay. And he just made it up. <laughs> I'm sorry, someone made up the name Sangalt? <laughs> he was like, oh, the river in France is the Seine, so I'll just add an ending to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's it. Because he just, he just wanted to sound important, so he was like, Chevalier <laughs> to Sangalt, sure, that's oh my, my name. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, Casanova, crazy story, look him up. What's your answer, Emily? It's A, but I have no basis. Oh, no, actually, no, sorry, I forgot what the options were. The crazy one is my guess. Globus hysterics. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Emily, you are incorrect. <laughs> You're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is hiccups. Wow. Yeah. Sing singultus is hiccups. Singultus. So if you're having hiccups, if you're experiencing hiccups, you you have singultus. I mean, I feel like sound wise, that does actually make sense. Singultus oh, it sounds, sounds like, like gulp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe intentionally so. It comes from the Latin singultus, meaning sobbing, speech interrupted by sobs, or by extension, a rattling in the throat, a clucking of a hen, <laughs> a croaking of a raven, or a gurgling of a water. Wow. Or it could also mean in Latin, a death rattle. <laughs> so when you're experiencing hiccups, it's your death rattle. It's your death rattle. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah. So fun. What the heck was that other one though? <laughs> yeah, I know you want, I know you would want to know That's that. That's all I want to know. <laughs> Globus hystericus, Emily, is just a Latin term for a lump in the throat. Wow. It's now called Globus pharyngeus. Because originally it was called Globus Hystericus because it was associated with menopause. Oh, God. So. Gaga do the nonsense again. <laughs> again. <laughs> wow. Great game. That's uh, it. Emily. Whoever made that up. <laughs> David Maxwell of Guys Hospital London. Thanks, David. Ding. <laughs> In theaters now. <laughs> In theaters now. <laughs> Great episode, Kyle. Great game. Yes. Thank Love you. this word. Talk about it. Don't have majophonia when when it comes to this word. Yeah, don't have majophonia. Tell everybody about it. It's to sing it loud and proud. 
And also remember Mm -hmm. that you can find Butter No Parsnips on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram at Butter No Parsnips Podcast. And if you like today's episode, consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you heard us. And if you really like today's episode, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. Donating $5 or more earns you a shout out either on social media or here on the podcast. So thanks so much to all of you. You help us make what we make. And with that, I've been Kyle Imperator. And I've been Emily Moyers. And this has been Butter No Parsnips. Thank you for listening to Butter No Parsnips. Butter No Parsnips is produced by Seth Glicksman, Emily Moyers, and Kyle Imperator. The theme music and additional music is by Kyle Imperator. If you liked listening to this episode, subscribe and give us a good rating and or positive review wherever you heard it. If you really liked listening, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash butternoparsnips. There you can get bonus content you can't get anywhere else, like the monthly Patreon-exclusive podcast Buttered Parsnips. Your support means the world to us and encourages us to keep making more. Thanks in advance, and we'll be back next week.